Hey, what's going on, everyone? We are so glad you're choosing to take time out of your day to listen to our sermons. Our prayer for you is that these messages would not replace your belonging to a local church, but would only be supplemental in your walk with Jesus. With that being said, we love you, and we hope you enjoy the message today. What's going on, South Valley? How y'all doing? Oh, man, you, you kind of shocked, huh? You're like, what's, what's, you ain't Ricky. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm not Ricky Hemi. I'm, I'm, I'm a little, little bit more tan and a little less, you know, butamous hair and all that stuff. But uh, my name is Marcus, and uh, I get to, to deliver the message today. For those of you here and online, oh, <laughs> amen. Don't clap yet, y'all. Don't clap yet. Uh, Ricky came up to me a few weeks ago, and he's like, hey, so... I would love for you to deliver the message the Sunday that we're celebrating SBA. And I'm like, look, Ricky, my experience has been twofold here. I've been the children's pastor here before. I'm the communications guy. So uh, these people are going to get like either they have to do a craft on this Sunday morning (laughs) or they're going to get 40 minutes about the Church Center app. That's what you're getting. (laughs) Download it, y'all. Download it. Get all your information. All right. So. But anyhow, I, um, I'm just so blessed by just what we get to do this morning, where we got to celebrate lives changed, and what a great week. Again, thank you so much just for all that y'all have done to make SBA a thing. It was so beautiful to see these kids just coming to know Jesus and to be in fellowship, a positive experience. It was awesome. So we are going to dive in, y'all. We're going to start a new series today, Summer in Psalms, Summer of Psalms. It's going to be awesome. Uh, spending some time getting to know uh, a little bit about the book of Psalms. And so just before we get into today's psalm, just wanted to give us a chance to unfold a little bit. Well, what are the books? What's the book of Psalms all about in the Bible? Well, it's a collection of about 150 ancient prayers, poems, uh, different songs that have derived from early and multiple periods of, of Israel's history. So in the Old Testament, where you'll find it, is it's divided into five different sections. Uh, And what's really cool is that there are multiple authors for this book in the Bible. And so what you're going to find here is you're going to see that King David is one of those authors. In fact, he, he penned just about half of them alone. And as you look at this list here, you'll see that there are several different ones uh, there. And what's really cool is um, they're all very intentional. They're all beautiful. Uh, They're all raw, very real. And uh, some of them, we don't even know who wrote them, uh, but they're still pointing people to the Lord. And so it's a, a really great Uh, book because we get to get a little insight as to those who really lived that early life and offering those prayers and those poems. Uh, The the actual word uh, psalms is derived from uh, the Greek word psalmos, uh, which means song sung to a harp. Uh, And so the way that it used to work is that a lot of these psalms, they were uh, used by choirs that sang in the temple of Israel. Uh, which is pretty cool. As a music teacher, I'm like, okay, that's pretty cool. Could you imagine Ricky up here and, uh, you know, uh, Chris or John back here with a harp just getting down? Uh, it doesn't quite work like that anymore. Um, it's not really done that way. But uh, that's what, what was done with the, with the Psalms, these prayers, these, um, just these words that were being spoken. They were put 
to stringed instruments. And so it's, it's pretty cool, a little uh, tidbit for you there. Uh, but the book that we know today as the book of Psalms didn't come into fruition in this fashion until uh, just the period right after the Israelites uh, were exiled into Babylon. And we just kind of spent some time in Daniel talking about uh, uh, Babylon and just what kind of took pra- uh, place there. But these songs, these poems, these prayers, they were arranged at that time into what we currently know as the book of Psalms. And you'll find various themes that the Psalms address. And so some of those themes are themes of praise and love and adoration. Uh, some of them are confession, repentance, forgiveness, uh, hardship. You're going to see people crying out to the Lord because of some of the hardships that they're experiencing. Or justice, uh, just calling for justice uh, from some of these folks. So throughout the summer, we're going to unpack these psalms, not all of them, but just uh, a, you know, a, a few of them uh, that our staff has just kind of gone through and talked about. Uh, and we're going to address various themes. And uh, through these psalms, we're going to have the opportunity to, to get to know how we can grow in a relationship uh, with God, grow in our um, worship of God, and to grow in our representation as we live today of God. And so today... We're going to be in Psalm 139, and I've been uh, just praying over and, and, and looking through and studying uh, these, this psalm over the last couple of weeks, just reading it a lot, taking time in the Word uh, so that we can uh, be ready for today. Uh, so I'm thinking, hey, let's, let's get it, y'all. Let's get it. Let's turn to Psalms 139, uh, which is a psalm that David penned, uh, King David. Uh, and so uh, go ahead and open that up. If you have it in your app, if you have it um, uh, in, in the Word uh, in the book there, go ahead. You'll find the 139th chapter. We're going to go through all 27 verses this morning. Uh, I'm going to be reading from the New King James, but whatever translation you're comfortable with, go for it. Um, but before we do anything, uh, I would just like to pray, if y'all wouldn't mind joining me. Father in heaven, we just give you praise for your heart, for your heart for us, for humanity. Um, as we dig into your word today, Lord, um, I just confess to you, Lord, uh, just my own sin and uh, I pray that you would just go before me today as I, as I share uh, what it is that you put on my heart, Lord. I pray that I would not be a barrier. Would you help us to all have hearts that are open, minds that are open to whatever it is your Holy Spirit has in store today? Would you speak through these words today, uh, and may you be glorified. It's in your name, Lord, that we pray this morning. Amen. All right, so as we go into the book today and we go through the scripture, we're just going to read through it uh, fully, all 27 verses. And as, as we go through, I want to encourage you to just highlight it. Um, anything that sticks out to you, underline it, notate it, whatever helps you. This is really good practice to really help you to maybe connect with what it is that the Lord might be speaking to you individually. Uh, and so with that said, let's just go to it. All right, I'm going to start right at verse 1. Oh, Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know my sitting down and my rising up. You understand my thought afar off. You comprehend my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. For there is not a word on my tongue, but behold, O Lord, you know it altogether. You have hedged me behind and before you and laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high and I cannot attain it. Where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend into heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall fall on me, even the night shall be light about me. Indeed, the darkness shall not hide from you, but the light shines as the day. The darkness and the light are both alike to you. For you formed my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works, and that my soul knows very well. 
My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed, and in your book they are all written, the days fashioned for me, when as yet they were none of them. How precious also are your thoughts to me, O God, how great is the sum of them. If I should count them, they would be more in number than the sand. When I awake, I am still with you. Oh, that you would slay the wicked, O God. Depart from me, therefore, you bloodthirsty men, for they speak against you wickedly. Your enemies take your name in vain. Do I not hate them, O Lord, who hate you? And do I not loathe those who rise up against you? I hate them with perfect hatred. I count them my enemies. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties, and see if there is any wicked way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. And that is the word of the Lord, y'all. That's the word of the Lord. So there are many things that probably connected you as you read that, some things that spoke to you. But we're going to take a look at um, a very specific set of, um, through the scriptures, a set of things that David points out. And he points out in this psalm of adoration to God three things uh, in terms of the character of God. And those three things are that God is omniscient, that God is omnipresent, and God is omnipotent. Now, these words are not common in our everyday language. You're not coming up to uh, people and saying omnipresent, omnipotent. Those are very SAT kind of words, y'all. But what we're going to do is we're going to take some time to unpack that. Does that sound all right? All right, cool deal. So we're going to start with God is omniscient. Everyone say omniscient. All right, so we're going to get into some Latin roots here. So uh, omni stands for all and sire to know. So omniscient means what? all-knowing, knowing all, right? And so we're going to revisit a portion of the scripture that kind of reinforces this. Uh, so we're going to look to the first six verses. It says, O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know my sitting down and my rising up. You understand my thought afar off. You comprehend my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. For there is not a word on my tongue, but behold, Lord, you know it all together. Man, shouldn't that inform the way that we speak? It's them knowing those very words before we even speak it. You have hedged me behind and before and laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. So David's beginning this psalm by acknowledging that God is omniscient, that God is the one that holds all knowledge and he sees all things. And I, I, I'm not sure what everyone's faith background is here, but I'm, I'm certain that most of us in this room have come to some understanding that God knows us, that he knows those big things about us, and that's all true, but he also knows the, the minutia in our lives, the small details. Um, and that should make us feel especially seen, uh, especially loved and known uh, by the God of the universe. And um, in your friendships, I, I mean, have you ever known someone who has just a really great strength of remembering the small things about you, like your birthday, you tell them off, off the top, you know, just real quick when your birthday is, and then they remember it by, by sending you something or giving you something. Uh, or maybe it's uh, someone that you just met for like the first time, they remember your name the next time. Uh, or um, maybe you've spent some time, you know, around the table at a restaurant with them and they remember your order. Uh, those types of things are, are pretty cool when people can latch on to those things. They know those things about you. And I know for me, uh, some of you in this room know uh, Chris and Katrina Morsehead, and we're all very, we're very close. I'm very close with that family. And um, talking about SBA and just, you know, the craziness that is, I mean, when, when, when SBA hits, 
Y'all, it's tiring. Uh, there's like regular tired, work tired, and then there's SBA tired. And I know some of y'all are feeling that this morning. Um, and so um, a number of years ago, uh, we're getting ready for SBA. And as a children's pastor, man, again, can we just give it up for Ron and Reagan just for an amazing job they did. Well, that was my job, like, not too long ago. I was the children's pastor here, which is crazy to think um, that, you know, it's been that long now. But I remember one of those work days, is, it was just crazy, and we were doing Kung Fu Panda that year. That was the theme. Some of y'all in this room remember that. Some of you attended it, and now you're adults. I'm old now, so. <laughs> I, I remember I was super tired, and all of a sudden, uh, Chris and Katrina walked into this room, and they have Panda Express in their hand. Um, and they bring it to me, and they bring me my order, which is half fried rice, half chow mein, orange chicken, and honey walnut shrimp. Uh, that is my order, in case you're wondering. <laughs> and, the, you know, it's not like I told them to bring that to me, but first they brought it because they knew that I, w I was tired. Um, they knew that I'd been thinking a lot under a lot of stress. Uh, but they also knew, even down to the, to the science of my order. And, and I don't know about you, but when people do that, it makes you feel like how David felt. Makes you feel seen, loved, heard, understood a little bit. And so um, that's kind of a little bit of a glimpse of the omniscience of God. And the omniscience of God doesn't just show us that he knows a lot about us. The omniscience of God also shows us that he cares a lot about us. Amen? And, and that's the thing with his omniscience. At first glance, you might think, hey, man, that's a little crazy. He knows everything about us. That's a little creepy. Um, but that's not what we're looking at here. God knows all there is to know about you, and he still loves you. He knows everything there is to know. The deepest recesses of our hearts and our minds, he still loves us. And I know for me, if y'all knew everything that there was about me to know, you'd probably be like, yo, why are you up there teaching me about the Bible? Why are you here? Um, and, and, you know, and, that's, and you might even think that about yourself, like, man, I, I don't know if I should let people in because if they knew what I did or or who I've hurt, or how I've hurt, they wouldn't give me the chance. Um, but, but in God's omniscience, he still loves us. And you know what proves this is the cross. Jesus on the cross proves that. He sent Jesus on the cross, to die on the cross for our sin. And if that isn't a display of love, I do not know what is. Um, and so, so that's what we're getting at, at first here, is God's omniscience. But then we get into the second part, uh, where God is highlighted in his omnipresence. Say omnipresent. omnipresent. All right, so omni, again, being all present, standing for present. So omnipresent means all present, all, always present. So not only does David acknowledge that God is all-knowing, he knows every detail, everything that's happening in our lives and in the life of the world itself and the universe, but he's always present with us in general. So verses 7 through 12, we're going to take a look at that right now. Where can I go from your spirit? Some translations say, where can I hide from your spirit or your presence? Or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend into heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall fall on me, even the night shall be light about me. Indeed, the darkness shall not hide from you, but the night shines as the day. The darkness and the light are both alike to you. Very poetic, right? Very poetic. It's very powerful, and it communicates so much. Uh, but there, there's nothing, according to this section of Scripture, that goes beyond the knowledge or the eyes of God. There's really nothing that can surprise God. 
Um, and there's nothing that we can hide from him despite our, our best efforts because he's both omniscient, just as we talked about, and he's also omnipresent. Um, and I don't know if y'all have ever tried to hide something before only to get caught, but it's a little embarrassing. Here's a little insight into elementary school, Marcus, for a hot second, okay? Uh, y'all remember Kmart in town, right? B- bless Kmart. I miss Kmart so much. I didn't think I would. I'm a mess, y'all. I loved a TV show um, called Captain Planet. Y'all, y'all ever heard of that show before? Some of you millennials in here are saying, amen, I remember that show. Um, Captain Planet uh, was uh, a show about, um, about the environment and about how to take care of the environment. And whenever someone would try to destroy the environment, five people from around the world had these powerful rings, and they would summon this brother with blue skin and a green mullet, and he would save the environment. <laughs> it was really cool, right? Loved it. The ring, very impressive to me. I was at Kmart one day. My mom used to manage me and Ed's here in town. Many of you, my mom fed, which is pretty cool. Um, But she would let me to go walk over the Kmart, and I walked over the Kmart one time while she was at work, and I saw the ring. I was like, yo, I need to have this. Took up some of my allowance, paid for the ring, took it out the package, put it all together, and went like this, and Captain Planet didn't show up, (laughs) y'all. He didn't show up. So I thought it was broken, so I went inside to return it. The line was very long. And in my mind, I'm thinking, you know what? This line is long. don't want to bother anyone. Uh, Also, I'm a little kid, a little dishonest, not going to lie, even though I'm lying in the story. I go back to where the rings are, and I'm like, I'm just going to get another one. I already paid for one, right? So I'll just go ahead, snatch it off there, go to the bathroom, throw the old one away, take the new one, and try to summon Captain Planet in the bathroom. So I'm about to summon Captain Planet in the bathroom. Instead of Captain Planet showing up, a man in a red vest walks in. (laughs) And I'm like, uh, hi. And he's like, what are you doing? Uh, I remember this clear as day. And he looked in the garbage can, pulled out that I had thrown away the old uh, ring that did not work. Um, And by the grace of God, by the grace of God, he just said, just go. I didn't get uh, prosecuted to the fullest extent of the law. Or anything, um, which is hilarious as I'm telling the story to you. Now, I've never told my parents, and my mom's literally watching online right now. <laughs> Sorry, mom. Um, <laughs> so it was really embarrassing. I tried to hide this. I really tried to hide it, but it didn't work. I got caught. I got found out, and it was super embarrassing. But when we're looking at the omniscience uh, of God and the omnipresence of God, this is not exactly what David is talking about here. In this passage, he's not focusing on the fact that God is scrutinizing our every move, that he's looking at us in our transgressions. Sure, there is an element of uh, a holy standard, right, that God calls us to and we're to live by, and we fall short of that sometimes, and we're held accountable to that, and we find that conviction. Um, but David is pointing out something very different here, and let's, let's take a look at this within the lens of God's omnipresence. In verse 9, it says, If I take the wings of the morning... And dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me, and your right hand shall what? Hold me. Now, I don't know about y'all, but when I read this this set of verses 9 and and 10, I, I find it to be very comforting. And I find it comforting because David is reminding me, he's reminding all of us, that God is with us at all times. Not just some of the time all times. He is omnipresent, always present. 
My wife, um, some of you know, her name is Deanna. She uh, helped to lead worship this week, uh, and it was really cool uh, to be able to see her do that. Um, and I just love her, y'all. Like, she is an answer to prayer. Uh, some of you have seen me grow up. Some of you I've grown up with in this town. I was single for a long time, y'all. Long time. And uh, we got married uh, a few years ago. I remember uh, we were getting ready to land for the honeymoon, uh, so we had about 30, 40 minutes and uh, I was like, you know what, this is a great time for me to get in the Word, uh, to do my devotion. So I'm doing that. And before I even start, it just kind of hits me, the gravity of what's happening. I'm married now. I'm the spiritual head of this home under God's leadership. I'm to lead my wife. I'm to love my wife. I'm to honor this covenant that has been established between us by God. And I felt that pressure. I was like, man, I ain't never been a husband before. I don't know how to do this. I've had some great examples, though. Praise God, I've had some great examples over time and some non-examples, to be honest, too. But it was still scary. It was still really intimidating. So we're, we're, I'm getting into the Word, and, and God uh, brings this scripture right here. That's the, I'm reading the Our Daily Bread devotional, which we do have in the, in the lobby if you ever need one. But on that day, on April the 13th, uh, 2019, uh, it was the story of Moses. Uh, encountering God at the burning bush. And um, so the burning bush God has told him, hey, you will lead my people out of captivity in, in Israel, and you will bring them to freedom, to the promised land, the land that I had promised to them. And then this is how he responds, Moses, in verse 11 of chapter 3 of Exodus. He says, but Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God said, I will be what? With you. I will be with you. And this will be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. And then you fast forward a little bit. Most of us knows what happens in the story, right? And you come to the Red Sea. God pulls a miracle and parts the Red Sea so that they can walk. The Israelites under Moses' leadership can walk right through it, just like we sang about moments ago. And this, is, this was comforting for me as a, as a newly married man. Uh, I'm over here reading this and I'm weeping because I, I, I'm, I'm literally experiencing an answer to God's prayer in real time. And uh, I realized that this, that the presence of God, this is one of the many gifts of God's omnipresence. That God in his continued presence can and will empower you to face tough or uncertain situations. And it's in the presence of God, that, that actual presence of God, that can change things. Because through the presence of God, mountains move. Storms stop. Courage comes. Healing. Healing happens. Freedom is found. Hallelujah. So much can happen, y'all. And, and I don't know what you came here with today. I don't know what kind of baggage you're, you're bringing with you. Maybe it's some sort of hurt. It's confusion. It's... It's sadness, and it might seem like it's too much just to hold on to. But the good thing that we can draw from this passage is that God is with you no matter what. And he's extending his hand, to, just like what the scripture had talked about, to lead you through it and to hold you through it. Amen. Amen. So God is, um, is so many different things here. We've already talked about two of them, so now we're hitting that third one. God is omnipotent. Say omnipotent. 
So we looked at his omniscience, we looked at his omnipresence, now uh, omnipotence. So omni, again, meaning all, potent meaning powerful, so God is all powerful. Um, and if you were to think about some of the synonyms to powerful, you know, just want to give you a moment just to think of that on your own. You might think of a few different words. You might think of strength. You might think of might, limitless, uh, boundless, unstoppable. You might even go very figure, uh, literal and think muscle, right? Um, all of these great indicators of power. Uh, but let's take a look at David's words, uh, verses 13 through 18, when he's talking about the power of God. Verse 13, for you formed my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works, and that my soul knows very well. My frame was not hidden from you. When I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth, your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed. And in your book they are all written, the days fashioned for me, when as yet there were none of them. How precious also are your thoughts to me, O God! How great is the sum of them! If I should count them, they would, move, they would be more in number than in the sand. When I awake, I am still with you. And here's an interesting thing about this passage, y'all. When he's talking about the, omnip- the omnipotence, the power, all power of God, he could have talked about a whole bunch of different things to demonstrate the flex that the Lord has, right? The power that the Lord has. But do you know what David fixates on? Humanity and the creation of humanity, of us, you and I. And that's beautiful. Let's, let's look at verse 13 again. For you formed my inward parts. You formed my inward parts. You were created by God. You covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works. And that my soul knows very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed. Now the, the gift... The gift of, of, uh, of life is something, in, you know, those nine months of, of life, right, is something that the Lord and the Lord alone sees, and that is powerful. No one else can do that. No one else. And not only can you just see, I mean, we have technology, right, that allows us to see, but God knows, and he's very present in that process. And uh, the human body, just in general, is incredible, and the fact that he formed that is, is powerful in and of itself. I want to put on the screen, we're going to put on the screen for you right now, just a, you know, a couple of things. Uh, the human body, um, different systems, right? The circulatory, nervous, skeletal, respiratory, digestive, muscular. We didn't put the reproductive system because we ain't, you know, trying to be about that right now. Uh, you know, we ain't talking, you know what I'm saying? It's a whole other series, you know what I'm saying? So, but the b- human body is, is awesome, right? It is truly fascinating. So much so that scientists are still working on getting to know how the body works, how it responds to various stimuli. It's amazing. And so um, I, I wanted to learn just a little bit more about the human body, and I just wanted to get really deep into research and learn, and so I did what all researchers do. I Googled it <laughs> because that is, you know, peer-reviewed <laughs> information. Um, but here's some interesting facts about the human body. Number one, the tongue is covered in about 8,000 taste buds and each containing up to 100 cells helping you taste your food. That's God. You are about one centimeter taller, this is number two, in the morning when you first get up and when you go to bed, uh, then when you go to bed. This is because during the day, your soft cartilage between your bones gets uh, gets squashed and compressed. Pretty interesting. 
Um, so if you are, you know, just maybe a little bit on the shorter end for like, you know, five minutes, you're real tall, stand tall. <laughs> Number three, the body has 2.5 million sweat pores. So if your left pinky toe sweats, that's why, because there's so many sweat pores, and it's very purposeful. You could, you could really study just why we have so many and get a lot of information there. The human body's amazing. Number four, there are anywhere between 60,000 to 100,000 miles of blood vessels in the human body. If they were taken out and laid end to end, they would be long enough to travel around the world three times. And right? One body all around the world three times. It's kind of nasty, but at the same time, it's really interesting. <laughs> number five, number five, last one. Your brain, your brain storage capacity is considered virtually unlimited. Research suggests the human brain consists of about 86 million neurons. Each neuron forms connections to other ones, which could add up to one quadrillion or 1,000 trillion connections. Over time, these neurons then combine and they increase your brain storage capacity. And there's just so much to the human body that we could be here forever talking about just that topic alone, right? Um, but the intricacies, while they're amazing, what's even more amazing is that every delicate detail and every function was made by a creative, all-powerful, omnipotent God. David expresses a sense of, like, just awe of God for, and his power through the creation of humanity, and he personalizes it. He makes it personal. He connects with the Lord and worship and knowing that God formed him. Uh, and he says this in verse 14, I will praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works and that my soul knows very well. And friends, if you're ever just looking for something praiseworthy, something to praise the God for, praise God for, just look in the mirror. Look in the mirror and look at what he made. Look at God. Look at what he did. He made you. He made me. And you just look around this room, there's so much diversity and personality and shape and form. And it's just beautiful to know that a creative, all-powerful God did this. He did that and is still doing it to this day. And, and if you just think about it, the, the creation of humanity isn't just solely a display of, of the power of God. The creation of uh, humanity is also a display of the love of God. Uh, there's a great Great quote by um, Charles Spurgeon. It says this, If we are marvelously wrought upon before we are born, what shall we say of the Lord's dealings with us after we quit his secret workshop and he, uh, he directs our pathway through the pilgrimage of life? We shall, what shall we not say of the new birth, which is even more mysterious than the first and exhibits even more the love and wisdom of the Lord? So he's loving us as we're being formed, how much more does he love us after? And that is a great directive on our part as believers to care, obviously, for, um, for, for before birth, but also to care after, right? To love and to encourage. Um, and I think that it's really, um, really beautiful because it's just like, man, that's power, what the God of the universe is doing. He's forming us um, and he just goes on, goes on, on verse 17 and 18, and he's pointing out another attribute of God's power that is, frankly, something that I don't think about very much. Look at verse 17. How precious also are your thoughts to me, O God! How great is the sum of them! If I should count them, they would be more the number than the sand, and when I awake, I am still with you. 
Um, again, I got into research mode uh, and homie Google helped me out with this. There was a study that was done by the University of Hawaii and they know beaches and sand, right? So they tried to calculate at one point the grains of sand in the world, okay? So they said if you assume a grain of sand has an average size, you can calculate how many grains are in a teaspoon, in one teaspoon, and then multiply by all the beaches and deserts in the world. The earth has roughly, and we're talking very roughly here, 7.5 times 10 to the 18th power grains of sand, or 7 quintillion, 500 quadrillion grains of sand. That's a lot of sand, y'all. <laughs> but think about what that is really being painted here in this psalm, is that's a lot of time, a lot of thoughts that the Lord has toward us, each of us. In 2020, the documented population was 7.753 billion people, and God is over here thinking of every single one of those 7.753 billion people 7.5 times 10 to the 18th power times. That's amazing when you really think about it. And it's hard to comprehend. Um, and it's not just a display of the power of God. It's a display of the love of God. Now, earlier, I kind of talked a little bit about Deanna and us just getting married. Um, and some of you have been in a situation where you're in a relationship, maybe like the beginnings of it. And you're, you're getting, you know, your little flirt on and all that stuff, right? And every once in a while, you get that text like, hey, I'm thinking of you, and you, you blush, you know? Uh, and that was like that for me. You know, Deanna would text me or something, and, uh, and I would blush. I'd turn purple, because brothers don't turn red, y'all. That's not how it works. <laughs> and so we're, you're in that moment, man, and it's that kind of response that you give because it's so beautiful to you, right? It's just like, man, she's thinking of me. And that's really special. I mean, it may not even be that. It might be a friend that's just like, hey, I am praying for you today. And that is really, really beautiful. Um, and if that's the response that we have when just, you know, a finite being, a friend or a family member has or a spouse, man, think about what type of response we should have knowing that the omnipotent God of the universe loves us and is constantly thinking of us. Amen? That's beautiful. So through the psalm, we're, we're experiencing those few things, right? We're learning that he's omniscient, that he's omnipresent, and that he's omnipotent. But there's a little bit more to, to it, starting at verse 19. This is where David gets a little gangster. I don't know if you noticed this. Verse 19. Oh, that you would slay the wicked. Oh, God, depart from me. Therefore, you bloodthirsty men, for they speak against you wickedly. Your enemies take your name in vain. Do I not hate them, O Lord, who hate you? And do I not loathe those who rise up against you? I hate them with a perfect hatred. I count them my enemies. And at first glance, you're like, wow, David, who hurt you? You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, who was your bully who made you, like, say these things, right? Uh, and I was honestly, as I read that, I was like, this seems a little out of place. Um, but there was a great commentary uh, by David Guzik that I wanted to share with you. I don't think I actually have it on the screen, um, but I'll read it to you. It says, David abruptly shifted from a spirit of wonder and adoration to intense prayer against the wicked and against bloodthirsty men. It wasn't primarily because these men opposed David, but because they opposed God. David's adoration filled him with a zeal for God's honor. And this, as I'm reading this, this is kind of a, what I wanted to call like a what did you say about my mama kind of section of the Bible, uh, of the psalm. Um, because David is moving from adoration uh, to a posture of, of, of defense in a way. 
uh, and a desire to honor the omniscient, the omnipresent, and omnipotent God. And, and David is making very clear here what side he's on. He's, he sides with God and not with the wickedness that we see in the world. Even today, we, we know and we have to think about this. There is a wickedness, a lot of it, out in the world. Um, but in our pursuit of God and in our service to him and others in love, we have an opportunity to combat the ways of the wicked and allow space for, for God's perfect love to transform lives. So as we conclude today, I want us to think about, okay, well, what, what does this mean now? You know, what is this text, this old text, what relevance does it hold today? Um, let's look at the final two verses uh, of this psalm, okay? Verse 23, it says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties, and see if there is any wicked way in me, and lead me in the way, what? Everlasting. And so he turns to a humble prayer at the end of, of this text, and he asks for God to examine him, to look deep, and to find any wicked ways, which is Really interesting because he just spent some time just, you know, really, you know, putting it to the wicked ways of the world. But he's acknowledging, too, that, that he has wickedness. He has sin in his life. Uh, and he, he needs God's help to help him walk in the way everlasting, the way that God intends for him to walk. Uh, and we can take our cue today from this text. And we can ask um, for God to do the very same thing. It's what these, these kids did, Right? It's what they did. They came to a point at SBA last week where they said, you know what, God, I, I'm, I'm a sinner and I need your help to walk in the way that you want me to walk. And it is inspiring, man. I didn't, I didn't accept Jesus until I was 21. And to see young kids making that decision is inspiring. Um, and with God's help, we can walk toward his ways continually despite our sinfulness right I want to share one, one of my absolute favorite verses is in the book of Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10 it says for we are God's what masterpiece we are God's masterpiece he created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good things he planned for us long ago and did you know out of all creation God sees you as his most beautiful creation you could have picked a lot of stuff, y'all. The sunset, the ocean, so many different things, right? But he chose to call humanity his most prized possession, his most beautiful thing. And that love was demonstrated again by Jesus dying on the cross on our behalf. So that if one day, one day we would believe in him and place our trust and our faith in him, that we too could walk in that everlasting life. Amen. A relationship with God is what you can experience there. We can experience the omniscience, the omnipresence, and the omnipotence of God personally. You can experience the goodness of God personally. And that's not it, right? So if we do that, we take that step. Again, as many of the kids have done so far, we can walk in his purpose for us. You have a purpose. I have a purpose. These kids have a purpose. David had a purpose. And with that purpose, we can make an impact for the kingdom of God. 
is such a beautiful thing. We can make waves, just like these kids experienced this last week. Our actions in the name of Jesus can make a rippling effect, not just here in this church, outside the walls of this church, into Lemoore, into Hanford, into the surrounding areas, into this, the rest of the state, into the rest of this nation, into the rest of this world. How we respond to Jesus and his love for us and how we walk in the purpose that he has established and called us to can make a huge difference, y'all. And so before we end today, we want to give you a moment to respond to that. Give you a moment just to think through what is the psalm saying to you? What is God calling you in his, in his omniscience, his omnipresence, his omnipotence? And just straight up ask him, God, what do you want me to do? How shall I respond? And then do it. Just do it. Let's go ahead and uh, give you a moment here. We're going to have the worship team just lead us in a final uh, reprise. And I just invite you just to think on that, okay? Okay.